Hello everybody, I'm Nina T and this is Kid Like Faith. On this week's episode, we're going to dig into uh, the movie that you guys chose, Mr. Peabody and Sherman, uh, another one of uh, DreamWorks' popular movies. Um, And we're going to talk about the nuggets that we can glean from this. Um, I'm excited to be back to share with you guys. Um, I'm going to go back next week, uh, starting next week to being weekly. I just had to get some things in order, take some time in between each episode, but I'm excited um, for the rest of the season because we're going to have some good conversations about these great movies. I think I have one more versus um, for a couple weeks. And then we'll get back to uh, some more DreamWorks classics. All right. So let's dig into this week's uh, movie, Mr. Peabody and Sherman. All right. Y'all know how we start this. We start with the pre-story because that's my favorite part. Right. Um, So our pre-story in this movie starts with Mr. Peabody explaining his backstory so he basically talks about how he was a young pup who was very different um did not respond uh to humans the way that regular dogs will respond you know when other dogs are sniffing hydrants he was like no thank you and sniffing other dogs butts and butts and he's like no thank you and uh you want to play fetch no i don't understand why we would do that you know he was just very intelligent and very different um And because of that, he was not chosen to be adopted. And I think sometimes like when you, you know, you really, when you really are different, you can't help but be different, right? Um, But there is this innate, um, I guess you can call it this innate feeling inside of us where we all want some type of community, right? It, It starts in the Garden of Eden where Adam looks around and he's like, okay, I see two of that. I see two of that and they're mating and they're mating and they're doing that and they're doing that. But there's nothing in this garden that looks like me. And so from the beginning, mankind, right, even if it was just male, the male that was created first had the desire of something is missing in this community, even though we're not the same species and there are a lot of things around me, I I recognize there's no, nothing comparable, nothing that can be a companion to me, nothing that um, is my community, right? And so what ends up happening is God sees his desire um, and he, this is the interesting part. He never brings that desire to God. Adam never says, Hey, when are you going to make me a partner? When are you going to make me somebody that's like me? You know, he just like went ahead. He noticed it and he went on about his day in business. And then as he was asleep, God was like, now's the perfect time to create community to where you have no input and I can do what I want. Right. <laughs> Not that he would, you know, he would be subject to man, but uh, you know, we, we don't know what would have happened if Adam was awake, you know, probably would have been a little bit more painful. Okay. So we had, he had to be asleep and God had to pull out of Adam, his community, right? The first example of uh, family, the first example of s- social interaction, right? Between mankind, um, male and female, right? The, the dynamic of uh, really just like engaging, right? 
in humanality or not humanality. That's dumb. That's not even a word. Uh, but <laughs> but human uh, interaction and uh, social interaction and community. So um, it's a desire in us to want to be around like-minded, like, and, and approved by, right? And and we want some people to say, hey, I, I actually like you as you are. Come and be a part of my community right now. The great part about, you know, self-esteem is that it is our first uh, mechanism of, well, God is first, right? God loves, love, love God, right? Your love for God, right? And God loves you back. But then the next commandment is to love others as yourself, which means you have to love yourself first. Amen. Um, so, (laughs) so if, if we have God's love as the ultimate approval, right next, our approval of ourselves, the only thing that would be missing is an outward, you know, an outward extra icing on the top or cherry on the top. Cause technically we're the icing, right. And God's love is the cake. So, um, when you, but we have that desire. All of us have that desire that we want um, some form of community, right? It don't have to be a 50 million person community. It could just be one. It could just be two. It could just be five. You know what I mean? But we all have some desire for social interaction, which is why COVID, you know, was hard in the beginning because we were confined to our homes. And so most of us had, thank God for social media, right? And other forms where we could connect because um, being confined to your own space without community um, can kind of make you a little stir crazy, (laughs) can kind of make you, you know, a little bit after a while, you just want to hear somebody else's voice, have a laugh, you know, joke joke with someone else. You just want some interaction, right? Um, But it did teach us to be confident. I think that's the part that I love about this pre-story is that he never changes who he is just because he wants community. See, the difference in what Mr. Peabody did and what, you know, most people are taught to do is that we think that when the scripture says, if you want friends, show yourself friendly, that means that you have to change yourself in order to be what your friends want. But that's not what that's saying. It's just saying there needs to be an openness, right? There needs to be um, something open in you to receive and give that kind of filio um, interaction, right? If you, if you're not open to friendship and being, if you're not, you know, even showing people that you want that kind, right? Of interaction and friendship, then why would they give it to you? Why would they, why would they spend time with you? Right? Why would they feel um, the need uh, or that you desire, right, to have people around if you don't show yourself friendly first, right? And so showing yourself friendly is also a generic command for us to uniquely approach it. Showing myself friendly um, is normally a smile, a hug, a hey, a joke, all of that. Um, for someone else, they're showing themselves friendly would be uh, an act of service or, you know, an encouraging word, or maybe somebody else will buy you a gift. It's just about being yourself, right? But then when you, when you approach community, you have to be so committed to being yourself that you cannot compromise who you've 
committed to being, right? You can't compromise yourself, right? Now, that's not to say don't improve, always approve, always evolve, always become. Um, but you you don't want to so dumb down yourself. He never said, well, he did in, in a little bit when he, he was getting, de- you know, desperate. I'll stay, I'll bark, earth, earth, you know, trying to be something that he wasn't. But after a while, he was like, that's not going to work. I can't not be who I am. And so what he ended up doing was throwing himself into becoming all of the things and being the greatest him that he could be, right? So that means he, you know, all of those things he listed that he could do was him, his attempt at becoming the very best version of himself that he could become so that he could then, after he had done all of the things, create community, right? He could create community after he had become very confident that he had become his best self, right? And he had something to offer, especially to the, he wanted to be adopted and because he didn't have someone to adopt him, a human to adopt him, he decided that he would like to adopt a human, right? And we saw a little bit later that the, the backstory was that Sherman was, you know, abandoned. And so he just, he didn't want Sherman to have to deal with what he dealt with, right? And he took him in, created a community of just him and Sherman, right? Um, well, that's where it started was just him and Sherman. But then he did something even greater because when you have good community, they inspire you to become even more, right? They inspire you to be the greatest you can be. And in this uh, case, Sherman you know, is a a little boy by now he's on, you know, about to go to school and all of that. But, um, before that we see, um, Mr. Peabody tell us that Sherman actually inspired the greatest invention that he could have ever made. And while he made some great inventions, um, and contributed to so much great things, um, a time machine, right. Would be, really dope if it really existed in real life but in in this story right in this story the greatest invention that Mr. Peabody a dog could create um was a time machine and he made it on the basis of I'm going to educate my son through experience I'm gonna allow my my son to see lessons for himself so instead of me you know, walking him through the book, making him read. And, you know, not that I won't make him read, but, you know, instead of me, you know, conforming his knowledge to what he read in a book, I can form a time machine, take him back to that period, let him see how it plays out. And then we can talk about what he learned from each experience, right? It's very interesting that every time they go somewhere, there's a nugget that they pull from each experience in history. Um, it is, of course, indicative to us that you cannot know your future or you if you know you can't know where you're going if you do not know where you've been, right? You can't uh, necessarily know the greatest of which you can become until you've seen the depth of the sacrifice of your ancestors, right? And so what they had to do was when they traveled to the French Revolution and they saw Peabody, you know, 
showed him, you know, Marie Antoinette and her cake of like fan fanatic moments and, you know, how much she was in love with cake. Um, And then showed on the other side of that about how there were people that were exceedingly poor while she was enjoying cake. Right. And in the midst of this lesson, Peabody gets captured and he gets captured because he looks like an aristocrat, right? And so he gets captured and put in the guillotine. But when he gets put in the guillotine, Sherman starts to freak out. And he's like, Mr. Peabody. And Peabody's like, Sherman, don't move. Just stay right there. And he's like, but Mr. Peabody. And he's like, Sherman, just everything's going to be fine. Just stay right there. Now, from Sherman's perspective, when this guillotine... A knife goes down and you hear the slice we figure you know it's a goner two seconds into the movie Peabody is gone and Sherman like passes out on the ground <laughs> only to see that there was a trick actually that there was a reason why he told Sherman to stay in the space that he was in because he was going to be the mechanism to help him get delivered right to help him escape from the trap that he was in. Uh, Lord, this is a good little point that I wasn't even planning on talking about. Uh, but <laughs> can you imagine if you, if your ability to stay still where God has planted you is the only mechanism for somebody's ex- escape and deliverance from the trap that the enemy has set for them? Can you imagine what would have happened if Sherman would have moved two inches to the left or two inches to the right. He would, he would have compromised the whole integrity of what was going on. How was he going to get back home? Right? Like all of the things that would have went wrong and Miss Peabody would have been gone. Had he not stayed in his position, had he not listened and heeded, heeded the advice of Mr. Peabody, even in a moment of panic. And so sometimes like we have to be very conscious, like, okay, God, this is a moment where you're asking me to stand still. I want to panic. I want to freak out. It looks like there's a trap set for me, family member, loved one, community member, whatever. But it looks like they're stuck in a trap or I'm stuck in a trap and I don't know how to get out. Um, But I've got to be willing to if I'm in the trap, I've got to be willing to be wise enough to see God's way of escape. He will always lend to you a way of escape, period. And so, <laughs> and so if if you see someone else in a trap, right, you have to be willing to sometimes stand still and be like, Lord, okay, I want to panic. I want to freak out. I want to shake them. I want to, you know, save them. I want to be the one. But sometimes God has you stand still so that you can see the salvation of the Lord. And it doesn't have to necessarily be at your hand. If you put your hand in it, then you may mess it up. But sometimes standing still and watching God deliver is the best form. If God, now if if God is telling you to move, if God is telling you to to help, if God is telling you 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 know to deliver, then that's fine. But sometimes some some people need to let their relationship and their walk with God 
help them out of a storm. So that way they can't say that they only depended on you. They can say they depended on God, right? They can say that because you stood still, that there was a change in vision, right? This is what happens, that he stands still and the light from his glasses hits the light of his executioner and that temporarily disables him to where he can't see uh, that Peabody's escaping, right? And so if we stand still, let God's light reflect off of us, it will blind the enemy so that our loved ones, so that our community members, so that the one that we're praying for can be free and they will be free by God's light, not by our hands. I hope that makes sense. And it's not, I'm not going to say God is always, you know, calling you to take the hands off approach because that sometimes is a cop out. But if God is, if God is asking you and prodding you to be still and to stay still, just know that the result of that is to see the salvation of the Lord. That's it. Wow. That was good. (laughs) Stayed a little longer than I intended there. Um, But yeah, so like, this happens. And uh, remember, I told you everywhere we go, we've got a lesson. And what he learns in in the French Revolution, right, is not only that he has to stay in position, not only that he has to um, pay attention and, and move when Mr. Peabody says move, but he learns about what Marie Antoinette did wrong. He learns about how it's you can't necessarily be so consumed with yourself that you don't really care about community, right? So that's the first lesson he learns. And every trip they go on, they learn a lesson. And while they're, you know, excited to go to the next trip, Sherman is anyway, Peabody knows that the next adventure that Sherman is going to take is going to have to be one he does by himself. And the next trip is not going to be with the way back. That next trip is going to be Sherman's first day of school. Now we see Sherman on, you know, of course, on his way to his first day of school with Mr. Peabody. And he's giving him all of the little reminders that he needs. But during that day, um, he corrected a student while they were in class, um, uh, basically about George Washington and, and the cherry tree story. Right. So he tells her that it wasn't a real story. And when he he seemingly knows his his knowledge, right, when he shows his knowledge off, it makes her feel insecure. And because she felt insecure, she needed to tease him, right? Find something about him to pull out to make him insecure. What, in, what ends up happening normally when people have experienced knowledge or experiential, experimental, there we go, experimental knowledge, right? Um, people tend to uh, get upset because it doesn't match their book, right? And so sometimes there are lessons that we learn with Holy Spirit, right? Even like in how to behave and how to, uh, you know, war and how to, again, stand still, right? Which are counterculture, which are counter cultural and counter tradition and they go against what we've been raised and they go against the the rules of the family right they go against the ways that we've known and we have to be okay with the truth being that when you walk with God right you can you can always bank that his word right will always match his word 
his spoken word will always match his written. So you, I want you to understand that. Like, I want you to get it. Like he will, he will never, ever, he honors his word above his name is what the scripture says. Right. And so when he speaks something to you, it's going to be congruent with the character of the text, right? It's going to be congruent with the character of God, the God who is actually the true and living God, right? He'll be, it'll be congruent with his character, right? So we have to be willing to say, sometimes I know what you think God is, right? Because of what they told you in tradition, but the truth of what God is, has come to me, not only through reading his word, but through walking out the word through walking with him and learning him and knowing him. And because it's more than just having the knowledge of him, it's about, or the book knowledge, right? The text knowledge of him. It's about walking with him. It's about the relational knowledge. It's about experimenting and walking with him daily to figure out how does he want you to exist in this earth, right? How, how, what truth does he need you to know? that may have not been revealed to others, right? So, anywho, because he had experimental knowledge and she had, I guess you could say, book knowledge or, you know, she had learned what she thought she knew from the book. Um, Again, she she was a bully. She got upset. And so she began to bully him because he was what she called a dog. And the reason she called him a dog was because the only person in his community at that point, right? Other than his friends at school that he had just met, but the home, the background that he came from was the house of a dog. And so after a while of calling him a dog, (laughs) what ends up happening is the dog comes out. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes people will, you know, really truthfully push and prod and push and prod because of their own insecurities, because of their own anger, because of their own willingness uh, to or unwillingness to uh, really learn, right? And and because they have to be right. And, and if they feel that they've been made a fool of, they will uh, tend to make someone else look like a fool. So she calls him a dog, knocks a sandwich on the ground, puts him in a headlock. And so the only way that he knows, again, that fight or flight uh, mechanism starts to come up. But for a dog, uh, even though, you know, Sherman is in uh, or Sherman is raised by Mr. Peabody, who is an elevated dog, right? The character is still in him, right? The character of the dog is still around him. And so he does what he's seen pretty much. He, he does what the only way he knows how to fight. And he, he fights by biting <laughs> because that's what dogs do, right? Not that Sherman's a dog. He's just been in the community of one. Not that Sherman is, you know, submitted to, uh, being a dog or the character of a dog. It's just what he's been around. And sometimes when you've been around something for so long, when people begin to poke at it, poke, 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 what ends up coming up, they poke the giant and then the giant comes up or they poke the bear. There we go. And the bear begins to roar. That's what, that's what ends up happening. And so she began to poke him and call him a dog and, you know, try to really put him in a headlock and take him out. And then she got a bite. 
So Mr. Peabody comes up to the school because he's thinking that uh, Sherman is so advanced that this conversation is going to be about him moving to the next grade. But he was never expecting that his son would have to, one, defend himself and then, two, be suspended by calling uh, because they called, right? Um, They called him and caught him, sorry. They caught him biting another child so he never would because sherman's not a uh that kind of kid sherman's a a kind of kid who uh is really calm and really peaceful and so to see this calm peaceful kid now choose violence it's like well what in the world is happening nothing's happening it just happened that he got to the something that was he was trying to defend himself he was really trying to defend himself and sometimes when you even though you may be peace and you try to live in peace when you are poked and agitated enough what comes out is a fighter what comes out is the person that will not let themselves uh be hurt or taken advantage of or beat up or bullied right and you have to assert in your mind assert yourself so you'll never be bullied again well because the school didn't handle it correctly uh they they handled it by shaming Sherman and not by correcting the 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 darling Penny who was the the one little girl who you know agitated him um they they ended up kind of reinforcing her behavior right they ended up reinforcing that it was okay even Miss Grundler who is the you know social worker that comes to the school she says it's normal for kids to tease but it's not normal for kids to bite well, it's normal for his environment. <laughs> it's normal for where he, from where he grew up, right? It's normal. He's been with Mr. Peabody as a kid. And, and obviously, if he's bitten some, someone, we should think about why he bit. bit. What, what, what did he feel threatened by? But again, when you are not, you know, when your mindset is, you know, you don't understand something, you're willing to just down it. And you're willing to, to think that because somebody came from a different background, that the background is the reason instead of trying to check what you did to actually provoke that reaction or the other way around. Why did that reaction come out of you? You understand what I'm saying? So, Miss um, Grundler has said that she is going to come by the house and she's going to examine because if she determines that Peabody is unfit, she's going to take Sherman away. And this is a secret that Peabody keeps to himself. He doesn't tell Sherman. Um, but now he has to over-impress and do the most because he's trying to prove that he's a fit parent. He's trying to prove that this is not a regular practice. He's trying to prove to Miss Grunion that uh, the child in question, Sherman, uh, would not be doing this, you know, just because he was with a dog. He was, he would, you know, technically he had to be pushed in this direction. Like he's trying to prove that this is a happy family, that they don't, they don't normally respond like this. So what does he do? He invites over Penny her parents and Miss Grundler. He does that, or Miss Grunion, one of the two. He does that without uh, trying to, well, first off, he doesn't tell Sherman at all um, that they're having guests over for dinner. So when he sees his bully, it is a complete surprise. Um, and he's trying to 
stay and act like he's happy to see her. Um, but he's actually not. He's not happy at all because he didn't want to see her. He was he was over her, period. Yeah, Peabody reminds him that in order to clean up the little incident at school, he would have to play nice. And so while Peabody is trying to impress Penny's parents, Sherman tries to prove himself to Penny. And we learn this because he tells her about the one thing that Peabody tells her not to tell. He says, do not tell her about the way back. And in an effort to prove that, you know, he is, of course, like amazing and and all of the things, right? And to prove that he, you know, is not a liar when he says that he met George Washington, he has to show her how he met her. Um, how he met him. And so uh, he takes Penny to see the way back and Penny talks him into traveling with the way back. But because he's trying to impress her, he doesn't just take her to see George Washington and they go home. No, no, no. He takes her to see George Washington and then to Egypt and she refuses to return. So Sherman takes the way back back where the parents are and uh, he tells Mr. Peabody what's going on and Mr. Peabody has to now hypnotize uh, the parents and keep them in, you know, this one hypnotized state so that he can go with Sherman to help find Penny. Now, I told you every trip we learn something as a rule for life, right? The one thing that we learned just from that section, right, is that Sometimes if you give someone proof or if you try to feel like you got to prove yourself to someone, they're always going to want more proof. Like you're never going to make people uh, who are determined not to believe you believe you. If they have already set up in their heart and mind that you are a liar, there is no factual proof that you can present before them that will be sufficient enough to convince them of otherwise. Like you can try. It's, it's you know, you could give some, some documents, try some receipts, but you know, like I'm reminded, this is going to be really crazy when I say this, but I'm reminded of um, this show that I was watching reality show. And the girl was told that her boyfriend was cheating, showed the text messages. And the girl said, well, you can make a fake text too. And uh, at that moment, it was just like everybody in the room was like, oh, wow, like she's really delusional. But it was because no matter what nobody at that table said, she was convinced that her boyfriend was faithful. Right. When you want to try to prove something in the way of receipts to people who have already made up their mind, you're doing nothing but wasting your time because they're always going to need more proof. Before you go, make sure you go to www.allthingsninat.com so that you can not only get merch, you can not only learn about the podcast and a little bit about me, your girl, Nina T. If you wanted to uh, bring me to events, you can also do it on the website as well as you can pick up my very first book, Beauty for Ashes, The Great Exchange. 
I am super excited because it's available right now. Most of you, some of you have bought them. Um, I'm so super excited um, that you have been able to support and start your journeys as well as leave me a message about your exchanges, child. I want to hear about these journeys and how y'all doing and how it's going. Okay, so make sure you go to that website again. It is www.allthingsninat.com. All right, we're back. Please go and check out the website, y'all. It's some good stuff on there, I promise you. So anyway, so we're going back to the trips because I want to break down for um, a little bit what I learned from each trip they took, right? Um, so the first trip they took was to Egypt. Um, this was the initial trip from um, Sherman and Mr. Peabody to go and save Penny, Penny, who had decided that she was going to be Hatchaput, right? She was going to be uh, King Tut's wife. And in her mind, she was going to do this because she knew he died early. But she didn't know what happened to queens in Egyptian culture when they died. And so she says, oh, yeah, I'm getting everything. (laughs) she thought that it was the modern time relationship that when the husband dies, everything falls to you. But in their culture, she would be mummified, you know, mummified and and they would kill her as well. Right. Um, And they're in their, I guess, possessions would be in the tomb. Right. Um, With them, it would be all the stuff would be with them, but she wouldn't be allowed to enjoy it. Um, So when she realized that she had to die because he was dying, uh, she was not with that plan. Uh, So the first thing we learned from Egypt is that obviously you might need to know about the rules before you decide to play the game. And so now they've got to save her right and themselves um, so that they're not stuck, basically, um, doing and being <laughs> all of the things that they're not supposed to be, right? That they're, they're not stuck in um, Egypt and she doesn't end up having to marry um, King uh, Tut. So, uh, the other thing I learned that while Mr. Peabody and Sherman were trying to escape that little trap they would set where they had to uh, do the pattern with the words, right? The little hieroglyphics. Um, Mr. Peabody walked out a sentence, but Sherman, who was a kid, just wanted to get through. So he just said any words. He just he just stomped on any words. And because he stomped on any words, <laughs> he ended up in, you know, missing completely the point of the exercise which was one to get them out and to help them escape, but make them be safe. And then while they're trying to get away, the only way that they can get out is by getting in a, in a boat, but there are two boats and one of them leads to death. And so Mr. Peabody says the boat over there, but he never points. He never says which direction. And so we look up and they're both in two separate boats. And Mr. Peabody, who was in the right boat, now has to maneuver Sherman over because he did not use the right language. 
in mostly in Egypt, what we learned is that language matters, right? Words matter. So if I say my word, not only my promise, right? My, my, what I say, what I declare matters. And so it mattered some, it, it meant something to them. It mattered that she said she was going to be a wife and she couldn't just opt out of it because she didn't want to anymore. It mattered where he stepped or where Sherman stepped because when he stepped on the wrong ones, uh, it ended up enabling them or or setting them up for another trap. It, It mattered that Mr. Peabody didn't give proper directions because they both ended up in two separate boats. So the the nugget that we pull from Egypt, their trip to Egypt, is that language matters. What you say, your words matter. And they not only matter for you, but they matter for your community. All right, uh, let's go to Da Vinci because they only went to see Da Vinci because they were running out of power. And I'm not even going to touch that because that's that can go into a long discussion <laughs> about being refueled. But it's necessary. You know what I mean? Like making sure that if you are running low on power, that you won't try to make it home just on E. But you'll stop and get refueled so that you can get home safely. But that was not the point. Just That's just like a little extra nugget. <laughs> The, the the thing that we learned in, in when he went to see uh, Da Vinci was that w- whether you believe you can or whether you believe you can't, you're right. So what ended up happening was they have a little flying mechanism or Da Vinci had a flying mechanism that he created. And this flying mechanism um, was powered uh, by a steerer, right? The person who was riding it had to steer. And so Penny, the adventurous one, wants to take this plane out. Of course, Sherman, who was raised up to be cautious, uh, does not want to do it. But of course, when he shows her by accident the right uh, lever to release them and to release and open up the plane, she hits it. They get on and that's a wrap like they're flying. And so now she said. She's no longer going to fly. So she takes her hand off and the plane starts going down and it forces Sherman to step up and fly. And he kept saying, I can't do it. And she was like, but you are doing it. And when he when she believed or when she told him he could and he believed that he could, he did. He flew the plane. And as he's flying the plane, he's flying it wonderfully and masterfully until Mr. Peabody sees him and he panics and says, you can't fly a plane. And Sherman says, I can't. And that's when they crash. They crash because he had two voices. One telling him that one telling him that he could and the other telling him that he couldn't. And he believed both at different times. So when he believed he could, he could. When he believed he couldn't, he couldn't. And so I think sometimes we have to gauge not only the words of our community, uh, but we have to gauge the the people's voices of influence that are in our lives because um, nine times out of 10, they're either coaching you into purpose, right? Or they're keeping you out of it. And so sometimes you have to be willing to trust that you have it when you see you have it. You know what I mean? Like you're going to need, you might need a push because I needed a push. I know I needed a push. This whole past 
three years, <laughs> two or three years has been a perpetual push from God, right? And not only from God, but he set certain people in my life to be able to remind me that I could and I could because God said I could. Now, if those voices hadn't had shut up or if those voices had decided that they would not encourage me, then I don't know if there would be a book that would be have been completed, right? I don't think I would have ever started this podcast. Those things happened when I believed I could. When I really like believed I could do this podcast and I did a tester just 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 because. Just because okay, well, I'm not doing nothing else. Let me just go on ahead and just see what happens. Why not? Let's go ahead and and talk to to this lovely community of mine, right? And here we are season three because I believe I could and I kept doing it because I believe I can right now because in, in and in the moment that I don't believe I can sometimes it's very hard to push through when you believe that you can't right when you believe and you've made your mind up that you can't your actions normally follow so we learned from Da Vinci that whether you believe you can or whether you, whether you believe you can't, you are right. The thing that we learned in the Trojan War is that you may need to think before you act. Because in the Trojan War, at this point, Sherman is trying to prove that he is brave enough, that he, he belongs to this community, and he is signed up to fight in a war, but he doesn't know what that looks like. And he doesn't know what fighting and how scary that is how how scary a war is he, he's thinking like i'm brave i'm strong i could do it and he's saying all these things which sound really good until they have to be put in practice and we sometimes like sign ourselves up to do things that we have not thought about we've not even prayed about we haven't even asked god is it our assignment to do anyway, right? And so we sign ourselves up and waste our time doing things um, that are too heavy for us to do, too big for us to do, and and technically aren't profitable for us to do. If we would just sometimes be willing to say, "I'm not, I'm not doing that," or "No, thank you, I don't, I don't want to do that," or "I don't have to do that." <laughs> if if we're willing to say I don't have to prove myself, who the freedom that comes when you realize that you owe no one any proof, as it re- in regards and as it relates to who you were created to be, you being is the proof. You do not have to show up and do what people expect you to do. In order for you to be certified by people. Because let's be clear. Who cares what they think? Okay. So so what's really been messing up my mind lately. Is that one of the things that PJ, Prophet Justin. You know, he's friend of the party. He's been on here a couple of times. One of the things that he said that stuck with me. Is that we sometimes look for people's um, affirmation and, and confirming. But who was there to confirm that Moses heard from the burning bush? Who was there? It was just him and God. It was literally just him and the burning bush experience. There was nobody with him, right? His brother came along with him 
and and went with him to to see Pharaoh, spoke on behalf of him, right? Helped him do that part. But on the other end of that, there was nobody in that physical moment with him. There was nobody to affirm Joseph's dreams. Everybody told Joseph he was crazy for dreaming those crazy dreams about stars bowing and sun and the moon bowing and all your brothers and mother and father and all of that going to bow to you. That seems crazy. It's out of control. You're you're a dreamer. You oh the dreamer. Here comes the dreamer. It seems crazy until it happens. And so sometimes you have to be willing to not prove yourself, to not prove yourself right, to let God vindicate you, to let God be the one, right? To blow on your existence. And when he blow on blows on your existence and he becomes your proof, he becomes, he becomes, because remember I told you when people have made up their mind, you're never going to convince them anyway. But there are some people that are willing to, uh, Look at your example and see God moving and see God's word to them, challenging them to become. For those people, you don't have to change who you are. You don't have to show up and be like, I am who I am this and I have to announce myself. No, 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 no. You literally just have to exist. And when God asks you to obey, you obey. And as you obey, your obedience is the proof. Your obedience proves that you are brave. Your obedience proves that God exists. Your obedience proves that you're courageous and strong, the, 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 that the Lord is with you. It, it proves that you are the anointed one. It proves that you are the prophet of the Lord. You know what I mean? Like all, You don't have to announce it. You just have to be it. That's it. Just have to be it. Don't, don't worry about what they believe or not. Just be it. They'll believe when they see. <laughs> and if they don't, that ain't your business. Period and point blank. So, yeah, we learned a couple things on these trips. But during the trips, Mr. Sherman gets hurt. Um, and it looks like Mr. Sherman dies. But, you know, we, we can't put anything past this this amazing dog, right? But to the kids, because they are panicked. And that all they see is a broken tro- Trojan horse where um, they used to see, you know, that they used to see filled with Mr. Um, Mr. Uh, Peabody. The, he was the last person in there, but we don't see him anymore. And all we see is the shattered, crushed uh, Trojan horse. So he might be under it. They, they're panicking. He's dead, all of that. And so what Sherman does is break the rules. And Sherman and Penny take the way back, back to a time to get help from Mr. Peabody. And he was told not to return to a timeline where he exists. But because he was so desperate for help, he broke the rules and they go back to the time where they exist. And um, when they, you know, basically are engaging, they, they can't, they're not supposed to engage with each other. Actually, Mr. Peabody's trying to get uh, Penny and Sherman out before Sherman sees him himself. But when Sherman sees himself, he's like, yeah, well, this could be cool. And, you know, gives himself a high five. But we recognize that when they high five, there's an electronic shock. There's a shock because they've put too much stress on the timeline because there's too much existence of them. The, the timeline couldn't handle 
two of them at that moment. Ooh, we, what does that mean? That for this existence in time, you are the only you that is uh, certified for this time. If anyone else tries to assume the role of you, they would be putting too much stress on the timeline of eternity and what God has called uh, them and you to be. In, re- in, in turn and in, in reverse, if you sign up to be someone else, you put the time stress, you stress time out. <laughs> you stress time out by putting way too much energy into being something that really there was only one certified to be. There's only a one certified you and one certified them. You don't want to put too much stress on this era in time by releasing uh, the responsibility of being you in order to grab hold to a poor version of being them. Even if you were trying to be them and you were doing it to your best ability, you would still be mediocre. And that would still not be good enough for this era in this time, in this day and age that we're in right now. We have no time pretending to be someone else. We have no time to pretend to be what they told us we should be. No, we've literally got to be digging into God, why did you make me this way? And if you made me this way, you did it on purpose and you're not taking back what you made. And so I've got to figure out how I can be an effective witness in this way that you've made me. I've got to be the only one me and not put too much stress trying to solidify that other people be me and that I forsake me to be someone else. Yes, Lord. All right. So when because he's trying to hide Sherman, he ends up trying to um, hypnotize Miss Grunion. She shows up at the wrong time, right? As he's trying to hide two Shermans, two Mr. Peabody's trying to hide them. And it does not it does not work. And Miss Grunion is like, oh no, this is this is too much. I can take the kid out. And it's not really good. She she's hurting. She she's hurting him. Now we've got two Mr. Peabody's, two Shermans, and when she tries to grab both kids, she makes the kids touch themselves. And and <laughs> and then because Mr. Peabody grabs on each Mr. Peabody grabs on what ends up happening is a big slap in the time realm, which knocks Mr. Peabody and Sherman, who are supposed to be in that time realm. They're there, but the other ones have disappeared, right? The other ones have disappeared to their time uh, space and because they were never supposed to exist in the time, same time space. And so what ends up happening was Miss Grunion decides she's going to take Um, she's going to take Sherman away. And so as she's taking Sherman away, she's dragging him and he's saying, you're hurting me. And what ends up happening is as elevated as Mr. Peabody is, the dog comes out and he bites Miss Grunion. Why? Because he had a need to. Why? Because he had had something to fight for. The same reason 
that Sherman bit. It was the same reason. They they only became dogs because they were trying to defend each other or they were trying to defend themselves, right? And so what ends up happening is uh, he tries to uh, get a, you know, contain himself, but he can't. And she decides she's going to report him for assault. The only way they know how to escape this is Penny, Peabody, and Sherman getting to the way back to escape the past. But because they ripped a hole in the time um, continuum, they messed up time. And now when they're trying to go into the past, it ends up that they, they don't end up going anywhere. They, they stay stuck in the present and the past begins to fly toward them. I want to break that down in layman's terms so you hear what I just said. When you decide to always revisit time and always revisit the past and always go back and your escape becomes running into the way of the past, what ends up happening is your run to the past will keep you staying stuck in the present and then your past will come after you. Yeah, it's 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 it looks like George Washington flying out of the sky for them. But for you, it looks like that old boyfriend that just comes out of nowhere. He doesn't come out of nowhere. You kept running back to the pattern of the past and he didn't come out of nowhere. You you literally opened up your world for that person to return because you never closed the door. You keep running back to the past. And guess what? The past keeps coming to chase you down and find you. So what ends up happening uh, we're almost done here. What ends up happening is that, you know, Miss Grunion is trying to get them to stop running, to get them to stop running away. And they are like, absolutely not. Uh, and he makes, or Sherman makes a, a passion speech that, you know, she, she says that a dog should never have owned a boy or never adopted a boy. And Sherman makes a definitive statement of something we weren't expecting him to say. And he says, I'm a dog too. And he says, if, if a dog means being kind and loyal and all the things that Mr. Peabody is, I'm a dog too. And then the chant around the room from everyone past, present, and well, no, just past and present at this point. <laughs> Everybody in the room is, I'm a dog too. Even the person, Penny, who was technically uh, joking him about being a dog in the beginning, right? He realized that that title wasn't necessarily a bad thing because of who he was connected to the it. And while he wasn't saying that he was going to change his nature as a boy, he was saying, I like the character of lo- loyal Mr. Peabody. And I-, I would like to defend just like Mr. Peabody does. And I would like to love like Mr. Peabody does. Right. So in him, in him saying, I'm a dog too. He was basically saying, I want to be the symbol of love, which I've grown accustomed. And when we realize that no matter what the background, the community that we have around us, if it's sent by God, which nine times out of 10 it is, that community is willing to love you and show you how to become, right? And show you parts of you that you need to elevate and, and be, come into to where you'll say, you know what? 
I know she get a little crazy, but guess what? I'm crazy too. I, I know she, she talk a little loud. You know, I tend to be allowed too. <laughs> you begin to see that you have more similarities than you do have differences because of the community, that connection that was made, right? Because of this healthy community connection, um, they actually realized together that while they have been running towards the past, Sherman realizes that they cannot do this any longer. They've got to go forward. In order to close up time, in order to set time right, they can't go backwards. They can't stand still. They've got to move forward. And guess what? When Peabody realizes this, he also realizes that he can't be the one that drives the way back because he has to do something else. It has to be because he has to set up the system. It has to be Sherman that drives the way back. Here's what this looks like in principle. It looks like us deciding that the way we've always done it doesn't have to be the way we do it going forward. And if I want to see progress to the future, I've got to let those with innovative minds for the future. I need to let, even though they may be inexperienced, I've got to let them drive. I got to let them figure it out so that I can set the system, right? Train up a child in the way that they should go. And when they get old, they'll get, they will not depart. I give the system. I give the training. I train them in the way that God reveals to me that they should go so that when they get old, they'll be able to drive the way back without a problem, right? So that when they get old, the future will belong to them because they've corrected time, right? We've got to go forward. We can't go back. And the ones leading us into the future are the generation that is running uh, in front of us, right? It's the generation that is generation next and now, right? It's 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 not letting them or making them prove themselves by becoming 18, but it's saying, you know what, identify, I identify at eight years old, you have this gift and I'm going to start to ask and pray God Give me the wisdom to steward that gift even at eight or steward that call even at eight. Uh, steward that that gift from God and even the anointing of God. I'm going to protect it and I'm going to 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 train it so that it so that you'll hear God, even if I don't train you in the way that um, you want to be trained. Right. I have to know that at some point you're going to have to get behind the wheel of this. And in some part, in some part or at some point, you're going to have to take us to the future. And I've got to prepare you for the future and not just let you depend on me forever. I've got to set things in order so that you'll be able to take us further. And what we learn from this whole entire movie is that the history is good for experience to learn and to gauge uh hindsight is 2020 so when we look at the past we tend to see the error of our mistakes the present is good uh for enhancing community right it is good for enhancing our who we are and who we're supposed to become but the future if we continue to move forward it will redeem the time it will redeem every mistake and every error and ever every rip of our past if we only do what we know to do. And that's to decide to keep moving forward.
you so much for joining me this week on this episode of Kid Like Face. I had fun. I hope you did. And if you did, please make sure you tell a friend. Make sure you grab them and tell them to listen because this only works as if, you know, really you pass the word along so somebody else can get the nuggets that you got this week as well. Um, if you need to find us on Facebook and Instagram, you will find us at Kid Like Faith. That's F-H-T-H. Um, and if you need to uh, check in with us, it's going to be an amazing season, guys. I promise you, we're going to have fun. Um, if you want to check in with us, don't be afraid to send me a message at kidlikefaith at gmail.com. You can also send a DM, obviously, in Instagram and Facebook. And also, if you want to send me a note on my website, you can go to www.allthingsnemetee.com. Next week is going to be a great week. And until then... Make sure you keep your faith kid-like. Bye!